Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This happened when I was a freshman in high school on Halloween night. My friends and I weren't quite at the point in high school where we would have any sort of Halloween party to go to, and we were too cool to go trick or treat, of course. We were a tight-knit group of five girls. 
We had grown up together since we were babies, and we lived in a rural town outside of city limits. To set the scene, this is a very remote, woodsy area. One of friends, let's call her Tina, parents raised chickens and had about 50 acres filled with chicken houses, which we would explore on our four-wheeler after school often. The build-up to this night was filled with adrenaline and methodical planning. In our small town, one of the more thrill-seeking activities to do was what we call rolling yards. If you're not from a southern or rural area, this is basically throwing rolls of toilet paper up into trees so that streams of toilet paper hang down. Classic prank, rolling yards. Had a crush on a guy from class. Rolling yards. Girl drama revenge. Rolling yards. It's hard to explain the kind of adrenaline that you get sneaking down a rural two-lane road in the pitch black, turning down a long gravel driveway, threatening the group's lives if they make a sound. If you get caught, your parents find out, and maybe worse, you are stuck cleaning up the mess the next day. So my friends and I had decided the two weeks prior to this night that we were going to go on a Halloween rampage, and specifically, we were going to roll the creepy house right down the rural road, my friend. Tina lived on. This house had been a big scare story between my friends and I for years. We would go on afternoon walks after school and pass by it often. No one ever came in or out of the house, but Tina's parents told us that a man lived there that was a bit of a creep. She gave a strict warning to stay away from the area. Looking back, Tina's mom worked in law enforcement. She probably had much more sinister reasons for us to stay away than she told us at the time, of course. The night would go as such. Tina's older sister, Beth, who was 17 at the time, would drive us to the local Walmart after Tina's mom and dad went to bed. Beth was the kind of cool older sister who was in on our shenanigans and thought it was fun to chaperone us when we were doing crazy things. All five of us loaded up in the back seat of Beth's car, piling onto each other's laps, blaring our favorite 2000s hip-hop songs, and flying down the two-lane curvy road. A scary thought in of itself at this point in my life. But nothing happened. Thank the Lord. We park in the near-empty parking lot of the store around 11.30 p.m. and made our way towards the toilet paper aisle, hyped up on pure adrenaline. We filled two shopping carts, completely full of the 99-cent rolls of toilet paper, snickering to ourselves as the clerk eyed us suspiciously while checking us out. We ran, giddy, back to Beth's car, popped the trunk, and threw the loads of toilet paper into the trunk. On the way back towards Tina's town, out of city limits, we turned down the music to discuss the play-by-play -play of the attack. Beth would park down a dirt road that led to some cow pastures about a mile from the man's. We will call him Mr. Sims' driveway to wait on us. The five of us would split up into teams, walking along the edge of the woods by the road quietly, in the event that a car would pass so that we could drop to the ground and hide. We filled our arms full of rolls of toilet paper and headed toward the long gravel driveway of Mr. Sims. The adrenaline practically beaten out of my eardrums, the crickets in the background screeching in synchronicity. I haven't written in a while. Enjoy my descriptive details as I am, reliving this experience vividly while writing this low. We make about ten yards from the entrance of the driveway and unload the toilet paper we had carried, then quietly made our way back towards Beth's trunk to get the next load of toilet paper. Once all the toilet paper was piled into our checkpoint location at the edge of the woods by the entrance,
We each grabbed four rolls and went into the woods along each side of the gravel driveway to creep towards the house, all whispering to each other to shut up. Shh, dude, shut up, we are going to get caught if you don't stop, etc. We finally see the faint light coming from the side of the house by Mr. Sims's garage, and it was the most terrified I had ever been. Not only was the house 1,000% creepier in this moment than when we walked past it during the day, but the thought of getting caught by the man we were specifically told to stay away from was nauseating. Kina, the bravest and most rambunctious of the bunch, decides to make a beth line towards the garage while walking through the edge of the woods, and we watched her in pure shock. She stood near the woods, peeking out, and motioned for us to make our move. Confirming that no lights in the house were on, and Mr. Sims was 99% likely asleep inside. I stood frozen, scared I would pee my pants if I moved, but was ushered along by another girl, who pointed to a tall oak tree at the very front of Mr. Sims's house, which was the worst location imaginable. I decided my teammates were worth it, and I ripped open a pack of toilet paper and hurled it up, towards the sky, towards the highest branch on the tree, watching the stream of white paper fly down and catch the wind. Soon streams of white were falling out of every tree surrounding the house, and we were getting very cocky and even more fearless the longer we attacked it. All of a sudden my friend Tina stopped dead in her tracks and made a loud hush noise. I stopped, hiding behind a tree, my heart literally in my throat, as I now saw what looked like lights turning on from inside the house out of the corner of my eye. Tina, then whisper, yelled Run, and we dropped our remaining rolls of toilet paper and began running in the pitch-black dark into the woods. Another girl in the group tripped and fell on a branch behind me, and I turned to help her up when I heard it. Several gunshots rang loudly from near the house, and Mr. Sims was yelling maniacally into the woods. You assholes think you are funny? Not so funny when I find you. We kept running all crying, wheezing from the adrenaline and speed in the night towards the entrance of the driveway. When we were about to reach the entrance, we heard something even worse than gunshots. The sound, a diesel truck engine coming down the gravel driveway slowly. We quickly went as deep into the woods as we could without notifying him we were hiding and stood silently with our hands over our mouths as not to make a noise. Mr. Sims stopped his truck about 30 yards away and turned off his engine. It was totally silent. I could see him from where I stood, and he had a shotgun over his shoulder as he walked towards the opposite side of the driveway, clearly looking and listening intently. In that moment, I truly thought we were going to be found and killed. No one except for Beth knew where we were. Our parents were all asleep. She was a mile down the road, oblivious in her car. I was trying desperately not to cry and sniffle in the silence when I saw Mr. Sims's shadow raising his shotgun into the air and firing around. I began to feel faint, truly thinking I was about to pass out from fear when I see car lights just up the road from the driveway. Panicking, I wondered if the lights would illuminate us in the woods and give us away, but the car seemed to slow down, and I realized it was Beth. Beth rolled down her window and was talking loudly from her open car window, giving what I assumed were the police the address of Mr. Sims's house. This made him angry, and he yelled and ran towards her car for a moment, then backed away, cursing loudly and waving his gun into the air. 
As soon as Mr. Sims began driving his truck back down the driveway towards his house, we sprinted full speed towards Beth's car and got in. We were crying hysterically, unable to speak, sweat pouring down us. No one said a word. We cried all the way back to Tina's house. Showered, and I could hear sniffles and crying all throughout the night into the morning. No one said a word about it to Tina or Beth's parents. No one even spoke about amongst each other for years. We never went rolling again, to say the least. What had begun as a childish prank turned out to be one of the most horrifying experiences of my teenage years. Because we lived in the middle of nowhere, and we had technically been vandalizing someone's yard, Beth told us about a week later that she had faked the call with 911. It's still shocking to think about. All I can say is we got lucky that night. Some angel somewhere was watching out for us. Looking back, Beth should have actually called 911. We were naive kids who were more afraid of getting in trouble than realizing how at risk we were of being hurt or killed. Mr. Sims, I don't know why you became so angry and violent seeing toilet paper in your trees, but... I hope I never see you again. So let me tell you about this interesting experience I had. I've been feeling down the past couple of days. I managed to snag an old PSE bow for a mere $40, hoping to learn archery and eventually get into bow hunting. I've been working on getting it set up perfectly, but then I noticed some cracks on the lower limb. It broke my heart because it looks like I'll have to wait until around this time next year to afford a real bow for learning and hunting. I had my hopes up about venturing into bow hunting and leaving behind my firearm, so yeah, I was pretty bummed, I'll admit. I've been moping around a bit since I discovered those cracks. So last night, something happened that changed my mood. I woke up at 2.14 a.m. to an unfamiliar sound. My dog was lying at the foot of my bed, and I could see the cat perched on the windowsill. I quietly reached for my pistol and flashlight, always kept nearby, of course, and held my breath, waiting for another noise. Tink, tink, tink. It came from the kitchen. I cautiously got out of bed and employed my low-light building clearing tactics as I made my way to the kitchen, not knowing what to expect, but fully anticipating something out of the ordinary. Yet... There was nothing. I slowly and quietly checked the rest of the house, but found no signs of trouble. I decided to step outside and walked around the perimeter of the house, man. Was it freezing out there? But I didn't notice anything amiss. I went back inside and gave the house one final sweep before returning to bed. I woke up again at 4 a.m. to get ready for work. Before leaving, I went to retrieve my lunch from the fridge and noticed that the magnets on the door had formed the shape of an A, with the pictures they were holding up now lying on the floor. They weren't like that a few hours earlier. It seems like she's still watching over me, and that brought a smile to my face. I'm still disappointed about not being able to practice with a bow, but my mood has lifted. I'm in no way, shape, or form a hunter. However, growing up in Philly with a wooded creek behind our roadblock, my brother and I were always forbidden to play anywhere near there and not even think about going down there, so as any little good children do. One boring summer day, we smelled smoke and heard noises and decided we were the best detectives to snoop it out. 
After minutes of walking farther into thicker brush, we finally saw the source of smoke. As we saw two men walking away from a burning car fire. It wasn't until a few years later, after dinner overhearing the adults talking about that poor unidentified little girl's remains found in a burnt skeleton of a car years ago in those woods. My brother and I, then twelve and fourteen years old, looked at each other wide-eyed and jaws dropped as we put two and two together to realize it was most definitely what we had stumbled upon in the woods that day. And if we had been older or smarter or unafraid of getting whooped for going down there in the first place, the murderers could have been caught, and even maybe that little girl could have been saved. But looking back, I realized more than likely she was already deceased before the fire. This takes place a little over a year ago, some weekday around midnight in central Ohio. I want to preface this by saying I'm not particularly religious, nor do I necessarily believe in ghosts or the supernatural, but something weird happened that night that I can't explain. This story is 100% true, except for some certain details have been changed to keep some element of anonymity. So let's call it Wednesday, as I don't quite remember what day it was, around 5 p.m. A friend tells me about an abandoned building her friend showed her the day before and asks if I want to check it out sometime. Of course I do, but being the curious soul that I am, I wanted to go that night, whereas she could not. I ask a few other friends to make the journey with me and all decline either because they aren't into the whole B&E or trespassing thing or they're otherwise busy. I decide to go alone. This isn't something I usually do, as I have a few close friends who are just as experienced as I am in urbex, and the three of us are an excellent team when it comes to stuff like this. I've gone to places alone before, but never with this little research done on the area. I couldn't find anything on the internet about this place. I decided to say fit and go, as I'm not one to back down from an opportunity like this. So I grab my bag, flashlight, camera, and I'm on my way. I tell someone exactly where I'll be in case something happens and to call the police if I stop responding for a few hours. I arrive about a mile from the location and start my journey. Most of it is woods and creeks, but the last bit is a dilapidated parking lot. I get to the lot and see not one, but two buildings to explore. This is turning out better than expected. I choose to go in the building on the left, as it looks more easily accessible and start looking for a way in. Around the back I find some metal stairs that have been overgrown and look like they're close to collapsing. I decide to take my chances and slowly climb them, keeping my eyes on each step to make sure I'm not going to fall through or anything. I climb the stairs just fine and get to the second floor. The door is closed but opens just fine. No padlock or anything. I'm in, looking around with my flashlight. This place is in better shape than a lot of abandoned buildings around my location. Part of the roof has been caved in from a tree falling, but everything else looks pretty good. I walk around the entrance room a bit more and realize where I am. There are note cards all over the floor with basic information on people. First and last names, address, DOB, diagnosis code, and inpatient or outpatient with a check next to one. I'm in a psychiatrist's office. Nice. I love these kinds of places. And insane asylums are my favorite places to explore. I have a seat and look through some of the patient cards. 
I look up diagnosis codes and try to get a profile of who the person was. No particular reason, just interesting stuff. After a bit of this, I stand up and continue my journey. Now, the way this building is set up is basically a giant letter I, with the entrance stairs I used at the bottom and a boarded up main entrance in the center. The only set of stairs to the first floor are at the top of the eye. I look around some of the second floor room and don't really see much. Mostly empty offices with a chair or a lamp in the room. I do, however, find a room that I assume was for children to play, and while their parents were seeing a psychiatrist, they had a sandbox and some toys laying around, but I noticed someone took some of the sand and drew a pentagram on the floor with it. I chuckled. After seeing everything I needed to see on the second floor, I go down to the first floor. The stairs are steep and winding, but very sturdy. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I check the door to make sure it won't lock behind me and make my way down. The first floor is basically just a long hallway with rooms along one side and a reception area on the other. I start checking out the rooms on the right side. After a few interesting rooms, break room, kitchen, storage closet with Christmas stuff inside, I come across this office with something interesting in the desk. Before getting to that, I want to pose a question. Why does every abandoned building have Christmas stuff in it? Like, seriously, 90% of the buildings I've been to have fake trees, wreaths, garland, or something like that. What gives? Anyway, back to the show. So on the desk in this office is a set of posts. It notes, On these notes are messages that make me feel a little uneasy. They go like this. He is planning on letting the hostage out. 4.30. Do we have staff accountability yet? 4.35. Can Officer John escort Jane out of the room? 4.42. If you want a picture of the notes, I have one, but I'll have to edit the names out. Just... Let me know. Anyway, as soon as I see this, I snap a picture. I take one on my phone, too, so I can send it to a friend. This is where things get weird. As soon as I take the picture on my phone, the entire building starts shaking violently. My first thought was earthquake. Now, I'm not speaking from experience, but I have to assume an old, dilapidated building isn't the type of place you want to be during an earthquake, so I start to make my way back out, only this time rather briskly. 
As I get upstairs, I notice the door I propped open to keep from locking me down there was now only slightly ajar. The small piece of metal I propped it open with was nowhere to be seen, although I didn't look very hard. As I'm walking after jogging my way out through this gyrating building, I notice that every door I had opened upstairs was now closed tight. What the hell? Was someone fiend with me? I didn't want to stick around and find out. As I was leaving the larger room I entered through, I noticed the door I came in was shut. I pulled on it, but nothing. The thing wouldn't open. Now I'm pretty calm under pressure, but this was beginning to be too much. I was starting to freak out a bit. I made the quick decision to force my way out. Typically, I hate doing any damage to a building I'm exploring and usually try to avoid it whenever possible, but this was a special case. I wanted the F out of there. Kick the door down. I've done it before, but this door didn't seem like it was going anywhere. It opens the other way and was very sturdy. Guess I'm kicking out the press board, covering the window next to it. Luckily, these windows were huge and low enough where I could get a foot. On the wood, two kicks and the wood gives out. The building is still shaking, so I made a hasty getaway down the stairs. Then, the part that still spooks me. As soon as my feet hit the ground from the last step, the building stopped shaking. Completely. Everything around me was silent. I must have been going crazy. I know what I felt, and I know what I saw. I got out of there and didn't look back. A few weeks later, my crew freed up and wanted me to show them the place, even after I told them this story. Oddly enough, every other time I've been there, nothing out of the ordinary has happened. I'm not sure what happened or why, and I'm not one to believe it was a ghost or anything, but I'd be lying if I said it didn't shake me up a bit. Was it just a well-timed earthquake? Possibly, but I heard nothing about it on the news the next day, and nobody else said they felt or heard anything. Any insight on this, whether it be spiritual, geological, or anything really would be wonderful to know. Well, that's just one of my many stories, and actually the most recent let me know if you want any more. I was part of an elite group of Navy SEALs deployed deep into the heart of the Vietnam War. Our mission was covert, our existence off the record, and our determination unwavering. In the unforgiving jungles of Vietnam, we forged our brotherhood, relying on each other for survival in a war that seemed to have no end. It was during one of those treacherous missions that we encountered something that defied all explanation. An unknown predator lurking in the shadows of the dense Vietnamese woods. The jungle had already been our constant adversary, but this was something entirely different. We were deep in enemy territory, a place where every rustle of leaves could be a lurking threat. Our objective was to gather vital intelligence, disrupt enemy supply lines, and strike fear into the hearts of the Viet Cong. We were used to facing danger head on, but nothing could have prepared us for what we were about to witness. As we navigated the dense undergrowth, moving with the silence that only years of training could afford, one of our team members, Sergeant Jenkins, halted abruptly. His eyes were locked onto something in the distance, and his hand went up, signaling for us to stop. I followed his gaze, squinting through the dense foliage. And then I saw it. A massive, hulking figure, similar to the legendary Bigfoot, but with a primal, wild essence. 
It stood on two legs, towering at least eight feet tall, with matted fur covering its body. The creature had the human-like face twisted in grotesque snarl, and its eyes gleamed with primal intelligence. We were Navy SEALs, fearless warriors trained to confront the most dangerous of adversaries, but this was something beyond our comprehension. We exchanged bewildered glances, our hearts pounding in our chests. Jenkins, a man of action, signaled for us to follow him as he stealthily moved towards the creature. We had to know more about this enigmatic presence in the jungle, but the creature was faster than any of us had anticipated. In a blur of motion, it darted deeper into the woods, moving with an unnatural grace that left us dumbfounded. Our pursuit took us deeper into the Vietnamese wilderness, farther from our intended path. The jungle closed in around us, the foliage growing denser with every step. We knew we were crossing into Viet Cong territory, but our curiosity overpowered our rational instincts. As we pushed through the thickets and tangled vines, we suddenly heard the distant cries of the enemy. Panic set in as we realized the danger we were in. The creature had led us into a trap, and we were now deep behind enemy lines, outnumbered and outgunned. We had no choice but to retreat, to fight our way back to safety. Our encounter with the unknown predator remained a haunting mystery, overshadowed by the immediate threat of the Viet Cong. We never spoke of it again, not even among ourselves. It became a part of our unspoken lore, a testament to the inexplicable horrors of the Vietnam War. Years later, when the war had long ended, we would sometimes gather old comrades reminiscing about our time in the jungle. And in those moments, our thoughts would inevitably turn to that fateful encounter. What had we seen that day? Was it a creature of the jungle, a figment of our exhausted minds, or something else entirely? The answer remained as elusive as the jungle itself, hidden in the shadows of a war that had taken so much from us. About a year ago, I was out hiking late at night. Now, I wasn't actually alone here. I had a friend with me. It was around 11 p.m. at this time, and I'm consistently getting the feeling that someone is watching me. I'm turning around, checking behind me, and my friend is laughing along because I'm known to be paranoid. It's about an hour into this hike that I start to see this figure distantly, always at the edge of my vision or just where the dark starts to get pitch. This huge, white, deathly thin and hairless figure. First time I see it, I scream. My friend looks, sees nothing. This continues for a good few hours. I keep seeing this thing standing or sometimes running, and it's getting closer. It honestly felt like I was in some sort of horror movie with this creature appearing around me. Always getting closer. My friend finds this hilarious, by the way, and is laughing and joking simply because he hasn't seen this thing, assured that I'm either making it up or hallucinating. This is all fine and dandy. I'm terrified, and we're on our way back to where we were staying. We start walking through this really small farming village. If you live in England, you know the kind. Fields, cows, Victorian-style buildings. Anyway, there's this one building that's been a school since the Victorian period, but it's been renovated, modern technology added and such. We're walking along the road outside the gate, and I happen to look up at the roof, and there this figure is, clutching into the chimney of the building and staring right at me. 
I freak out and essentially force my friend to look at it. As before, he doesn't see it, but at the moment he looks at it, the alarm of the building goes off, which he hears, and we just get away from there, S.A.P. Where to begin? Rochelle and I took our kids to the Oregon Caves National Park in Southern Oregon. We ate lunch at a picnic table and then took a tour of the caves. The caves were spectacular. If you haven't seen them before, they are a must-see experience. Upon our exit of the cave, everyone usually turns to the right to go back down to the gift store and lodge. However, we are fresh from Alaska and love to hike in the outdoors. That I... We just moved from Alaska to Oregon earlier this year. We decided to go left and hike up to see the big tree. That is, a Douglas. Fir tree with a circumference of 40 feet that is about 800 to 1,000 years old. We hiked for about two miles into the forest up the mountain. As we were hiking up the trail, we smelled a very strong, pungent smell. It was as strong as a skunk, but it wasn't a skunk. We know what a skunk smells like, and it wasn't a skunk, even though it was as strong-smelling as a skunk. We were standing downwind of the smell. We continued to hike up the trail, and the trail started to switch back to the right as we climbed the mountain. There were plenty of tall trees and brush. I heard a faint sound. Well, at first I thought it was the blood vessels pounding in my head because it was a constant sound, a rhythm, and I'm out of shape. That is, it was a big mountain, and... We were constantly walking up up. We kept walking up the trail. I heard the sound again, except it was louder. Then I thought, this sound is external, not internal. We all stopped and I asked, do you guys hear that sound? Rochelle, Levi, Hannah, and Micah looked at me and nodded their heads in affirmation. Don't ask me why, but we continued to walk up the mountain through the very tall trees and brush. The sound continued in cycles of five to six repetitions. Louder and louder, now the sounds were behind us. I started putting one and one together in my mind, and my biological fight or flight responses kicked in. I stopped my family on the trail. I told them to stay quiet. I hiked up the hill to our left because I had to go poop ASAP. Now this happens when the biological fight or response kicks in. While I was doing my duty, I was scanning the woods down the mountain on the other side of the trail my family was standing on. That's when I saw it. I saw it come out from behind one tree to the left and walk to another tree to the right. Then it looked back and was watching my family while they were standing on the trail. I've hiked through the woods in Alaska numerous times, and believe me, I know what a grizzly bear looks like, and I know what a black bear looks like. I was actually chased by a grizzly bear on the Russian River in Alaska about six or seven years ago. What I saw was not a grizzly bear or a black bear. What I saw walked upright on two legs like a human, and it was much taller than a grizzly bear or a black bear. What I saw was Bigfoot, otherwise known as Sasquatch. I pulled up my shorts immediately, walked fast down to the trail, and got my family moving up the mountain. I sure as heck wasn't going to go back down the trail where we came from and go right to it. I didn't tell my wife or children what I saw because I didn't want them to panic. At this point, the adrenaline was rushing and I was very hypervigilant, constantly looking behind us and through the woods. The sound stopped, but I wasn't convinced we were safe. 
When we got to a place where the kids could stop and sit on a fallen log to rest and drink some water, I pulled Rochelle away and told her that she wasn't going to believe what I saw. She believed me right away. She smelled the smell and she heard the repetitive cycles of weight. I told her to keep the kids going and that I would stay at the back to keep my eyes on what was behind us. I told her that if anything came up from behind us or through the woods from the side of us that I would run interference to protect them. I told her that if this happened I wanted her to run the kids on the trail, don't stop and don't look back. We agreed not to tell the children because we didn't want to panic them. We never heard the sounds again and I never saw anything after that. We finally made it out of the woods about one half hours later. We sent the kids into the gift store to look for a gift because we had promised to buy them something if they were good hikers and didn't complain. Rochelle and I sat on the bench outside the gift store and talked about the pros and cons of whether or not to report what we smelled, heard, and saw. Rochelle said it was up to me. I decided that I wasn't going to keep this a secret because it was real and I know I'm sane. I remembered reading about how the albino gorilla was a myth, legend in Africa for quite some time until someone finally captured one. Well, I'm here to tell you today, and the world, that Bigfoot Sasquatch is not a myth or legend. The creature or animal really and truly does exist. After we made our decision, Rochelle went into the gift shop with the kids. I walked to the park headquarters and reported what I saw to MPS Ranger Beverly. I sat in the chair stunned and then I began to cry. All these emotions that I was stuffing due to the adrenaline began to surface now that my family and I were safe. You don't know how vulnerable I felt being so far out in the woods without the ability to protect my family in that kind of situation. No gun. I told the ranger that I was not crazy. I gave her my business card. I'm a licensed psychologist in private practice. I told her that I have two master's degrees and one doctorate degree and that I was an intelligent person. I told her that I know what I smelled, heard, and saw. In between the tears and my shaking, I told her that I saw Bigfoot. She believed me. She didn't think I was crazy. She said that there is a lot about our world that we don't know and that we are discovering new species all the time. She took my story, Rochelle's story, and Levi confirmed what the noise sounded like. I was the only one who saw Bigfoot because I had hiked up off the trail high enough to see it. I can't tell you what it looked like other than it was very tall, looked half human and half ape, walked upright, and had very dark hair. A mix of very dark brown and door black hair. It happened way too quick, and all I could think about after I saw it was to get my family the heck out of there. I've done some surfing on the internet, and what I saw looked a lot like pictures online. Rochelle and I are willing to talk with anyone. We don't believe that it is right to have this kind of experience and to hide it from the rest of the world. Please feel free to pass this on to anyone you think would be interested in hearing the truth.